God, we come before you and we ask, Lord, that today we would know what it is more and more to have a spiritual rebirth, to recognize what that means for us as individuals, but also what it means for us as a community, as a body of believers, God. We are hungry for more of you, Lord. We are hungry for more of you. And we ask that you come today and that you have your way. Amen. Let me be seated. And I do think that's my prayer um, this morning, is that we would learn more of what it is to have a spiritual rebirth. I'm Joel Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to have you. Um, Did you wake up this morning going, man, I can't wait for God to change my life today? Did anybody else wake up like that today? I I mean, I woke up like a little chipper. Like when my wife sees me wake up chipper, like she's like, oh boy, it's going to be a day. Like I woke up, I was like, you know what, I'm ready. I'm thinking this to myself because let's be honest, my wife was still asleep when I left the house this morning. Um, And we're going, I'm ready to get to church. I'm like, man, God is going to do something today. And I'm I'm praying that for every one of you, that God would change your life today. No matter where you are in the process of transformation, right? We speak about acknowledging who Jesus Christ is as Lord and Savior, and then you're in a journey of transformation. No matter where you're on that that journey of transformation, even if you've never said, yes, I believe in Jesus, no matter, it does not matter, God wants more for you. So I want you to think about this. Are you willing for God to change your life today? Just think about it for a moment. You may go, man, I've known Jesus my whole life. What are you talking about changing my life? No, God wants you to continually grow and to become more like him, to be his reflection, to be a picture, a portrait of who he is, and to grow into his likeness, scripture. Are you, re- are you ready? Are you willing for God to change your life today? Will you just say the words, say, God changed my life today? One more time. So this is important because it's what we're going to see happen with Nicodemus today. We're in a series called uh, Jesus Seeing a Clear View of God, having a clear view of God, really seeing a, a greater picture of who God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we've been walking through the first couple of chapters of John. Now we're in John chapter 3 and I want to begin, I want to just jump into Scripture and to be able to allow it just to soak into our hearts and into our minds that our ears would be able to absorb all of it for all of its truth. John chapter 3. And I know you just sat down, but for the reading of the Word of God today, will you stand back up with me? John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? 
Can, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is the word of God. You may be seated. I tried um, to remind us last week as we jump into this amazing text, this amazing passage in John chapter 3. I was trying to remind us, chapters and verses came later on. We need to make sure we remember this. So chapters and verses come well later. So read this continually. We come out of the end of chapter 2 last week. This is after Jesus had come and he had cleansed the temple. And then he spoke about what the people around him, what they knew, and what, what was in the heart of man. So in chapter 2, the very last verse of chapter 2, he says, And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. He knew their spiritual condition already of an individual. He knew what their heart condition was. So let me, I want to make sure we hear right now, Jesus already knows your heart condition. In this moment, God knows your heart condition. So if you don't want to be found out too bad, you're already discovered by God. He already knows your heart condition. He already knows where you are. And then he jumps in right away to saying, hey, I know what's in you. And then this guy who's a ruler of the Jews, one of the Pharisees, he comes to him by the name of Nicodemus. I already know what's in the heart of someone. And right now we're about to see what's in the heart of Nicodemus. It's really it's wonderful to see the movement and the flow of what's happening in this passage. So verse 1 of this chapter, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's a statement of faith. Many, many people were believing in him, and we even know that they were believing in a lot of the signs. That's another thing that we find out. When it came to cleansing the temple last week, and go back to listen to that if you want, and he's, he's addressing the different signs that people are doing, and he even acknowledges, many of you believe in me because of the signs that I'm doing, not because of who I am in Christ, as Christ, as the Messiah, as the anointed one. And so they're struggling with this. He's addressing signs, and here's Nicodemus coming and saying, hey, I, I believe that you're from God because who can do all of these physical signs if they're not from God? Again, chapters and verse later, and all this just flows together so beautifully. But what we learn right away is that Nicodemus had a heart issue. And, and part of the struggle that he's having is understanding that, listen, Muslims, many of the Jews, even agnostics today, they believe what Nicodemus stated in the beginning of this passage. They believe that Jesus is from God. Like, here's this great guy, right? We even sing songs like, I am a child of God. 
So if we all declare that we're children of God, which we are, then it's not a big deal to say you must be from God because I saw you do some physical signs that were pretty awesome. And so as a result of that, man, I mean, I saw what you did in the temple, but I also heard about the whole water turning to wine and Cana. First miracle that we find there's uh, one of the seven signs in the Gospel of John that we see. And he's like, hey, listen, I've seen this. As a result of seeing what you've done with physical signs, I believe that you're from God. Where the response of Jesus is really important here because we start to recognize that believing, make sure you write this down here, okay? Believing Jesus is from God is not the same as believing Jesus is God. Believing Jesus is from God is not the same as believing Jesus is God. Now, it can be a portion of that, but yet here's Nicodemus going, you must be from God because you did some pretty cool things. But Jesus knew that he was missing out on so much more because Nicodemus had not been born again. That's the point of John chapter 3, especially the first eight verses. Nicodemus, with all of his faith, he needed to be born again. Nicodemus did not have the spiritual life that God had intended for him to have. He was spiritually blind in many ways. And so what we're going to see is we're going to discover... Nicodemus seeing Jesus more clearly. Now, Nicodemus, let me give you a little bit more about him. We know that he was a wealthy Pharisee. A couple things I was reading is that he was probably second, third wealthiest person in Jerusalem at the time, a very rich individual. He was part of the, the ruling uh, Jews, which is the Sanhedrin. Now, there were other Sanhedrins. We've spoken about this before, but there was one primary Sanhedrin in Jerusalem consisted of roughly 72 individuals who were the leaders of that, and he's one of them. We also speak about Nicodemus being a Pharisee, and we give Pharisees a bad rap. Some of them need a bad rap, but not all of them were bad. Meaning, I mean, really, the Pharisees were there because they wanted people to be as obedient to God as possible. But then they came up with all of these rigid rules and, and all of these things that you must follow in order to be a, a good person. Otherwise, you're done, right? And so they became very legalistic and dogmatic. And as a result of that, Jesus all, um, often spoke against them going, no, it's not about being legalistic or dogmatic. It's about receiving the grace and the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, allowing that to pour into your life and knowing that there is where you find freedom. And so here's Nicodemus. This is helping us to understand so much of why he struggled to recognize who Jesus really was in this moment. So as we keep going down this journey... We see in verse 2, it says, here's this ruler of the Jews, right? Nicodemus. He says, this man came to Jesus by night. By night. John often uses light and dark as a metaphor for spiritual blindness. We see that in John chapter 11, verse 10. We also see that and are reminded of that as one of the seven I am statements. There's seven I am statements in the gospel of John declaring who Jesus is. One of those is, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12, right? I am the gate. I am the bread of life. He goes through all these. We're going to cover that in a series entitled Seven later on this spring. But as he's looking at this, he's, he's using this metaphor of darkness and light somewhat frequently. And so he's coming, Nicodemus is coming at night. Now, it's not incredibly odd for him to be searching out a rabbi necessarily and speaking with him at night, but there's this notion of he's coming and hiding because he's trying to figure more of this out. 
So I'm not one of these guys who give Nicodemus a bad rap because, oh, he's coming at night. I can't believe he's coming at night. Um, Yeah, maybe he was a little nervous. Maybe he's apprehensive. But I think he's coming. I think he's searching out Jesus to discover more of who he is. You know when you have that stirring inside of you and you know that there's more and you're not quite sure what it is and so you want to seek it out? And that's happening right here with Nicodemus. He's wanting to know more about who he is. And so here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. And he's trying to figure all of this out. Now, Jesus' response here with Nicodemus. Hey, you're a rabbi. They would have referred to everybody as a rabbi in this capacity. right? We know that a lot of people would have followed a rabbi and left what they were doing in order to learn from them. And so calling him a rabbi is something that was somewhat common. And so all of a sudden, he's addressing him. Hey, rabbi. Hey, teacher. You must be from God because, man, these, these physical signs that you're doing are pretty awesome. They're pretty amazing. And Jesus says these words, and you're going to notice this. Um, Real quick, how many of you are parents? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. That's why we have so many kids here. Good for you. Um, When you're a parent and you look at your kid and you say, hey, will you do me a favor? Um, Clean up your room real quick. Sometimes they do it right away. Um, I dream of that day. And then about 10 minutes later, you go, hey, did you forget you didn't clean up your room? They're like, oh, we didn't know you meant like right now. All right? And so you go with it, and you see if they're going to clean their room then. And, and then um, you go back like an hour later, and you say, well, they still didn't clean their room. And then they say to you, like, you didn't clean your room. Like, you're getting agitated and upset. And they're like, well, you didn't define clean. Anybody else have these children? Um. Such blessings from God, aren't they? Um, if you keep repeating, there's an emphasis on it, right? There's always an emph- emphasis on repetition. What you're going to see in John chapter 3 is this repetition from the words of the Messiah. And so we'd better let it soak in. Because here's Nicodemus saying, hey, listen, this you must be from God. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. He doesn't even address those physical signs directly that Nicodemus is referring to when he's saying you must be from God. He just jumps in and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This would have struck Nicodemus in a very particular way because even Gentiles who were coming to the Jewish faith, they would have gone straight. If they, somebody could have left being a Gentile and gone and become Jew, and what they would have done is they would have then been circumcised and everything else, and they would have possibly even been baptized uh, in some occasions. And so for Nicodemus being part of the Sanhedrin, and he's got a certain wiring, he's going, oh, okay, yeah, born again. Eh, not quite sure what you're, um, you're going with that, but okay, what is this? Unless he is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him in response, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I don't think he's asking this disrespectfully. I think he's literally trying to figure things out. He came to Jesus in the night and said, Hey, listen, you must be from God. Jesus responds, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, which is interchangeable with heaven there. And he's going, What's up? Can I be born again a second time? And then Jesus responds again. Here's that repetition that I was referring to. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Don't you get it? 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. We start to process this, and Jesus just keeps coming back. Listen, you have to be born again. And one of the greatest concerns that I have today is that we don't fully process and understand what it is to be born again. We believe Jesus is from God. Man, he did some pretty cool things, but we don't register in our own thinking what it is to understand that Jesus is God, and it is by his grace his redemption, his love, and his purpose that we can actually know life eternal. And it's going to let us even know why Nicodemus is struggling with this. I mean, Jesus addresses it in 8, 9, 10, and 11 in this passage. He's like, listen, if you can't even understand what's happening right here on earth and what you've already seen, if you can't grasp this, how can you understand more? And so truly, truly, he says, truly, truly, you've got to get this. You must be born again. This is big. This is the life changing. This is the biggest, most important news. I'm about, and this one is so humbling for me to stand in front of you and to preach the word of God, because I'm about to tell you the most important news you will ever hear in your life. You must be born again and believe in the name of Jesus Christ in order to have eternal life. That is the most important news you will ever hear. And by the way, it's the greatest news you will ever hear. Here's Nicodemus, who was part of this religious group of people wanting to be obedient to God, but he didn't fully grasp it. It's, it's, it's called regeneration. And that's... That's, that's 2 Corinthians 5, when you say, listen, the old has gone, right? And a few weeks ago, I was talking about this. God doesn't simply take our old and make it better. He gives us a new life, right? That's, that's, that's the power of God. It's regeneration. It's, it's the old is gone, the new has come. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's speaking to all of us. You and I both, we all must be born again. And you're going, what does that mean? Birth again, what does that mean? No, it means a complete releasing, relinquishing of self in every part of our life, handing it to God and going, I trust you, God, more than I trust self. And you can have all of me because you are worthy of all of me. And so now God truly has power and instruction over every single part of your life. And some of you are going, Joel, lay off. Like, what? quit pushing so hard. No, guys, think of it like this. And this is why it's such a concern of mine. In this church, the average person goes to church 1.67 times a month. We think in this church we have about 3,000 to 3,500 people who come at least once a month. That's a lot of people. And then we have other churches that are partners with us, and they're amazing people, people like Wellspring and Fairhaven and Redemption and Grace Community and all these different churches are amazing places with amazing people leading these churches. And here's my thing. That's thousands upon thousands of people. Do we really believe that if that many people were born again, giving their life to Jesus Christ, this is the whimper of a movement that we're talking about? No. Because God took 12, they went throughout the world, and the name of Jesus Christ became known. You're picking up what I'm laying down. Yes? And so we, that means we have, to, we have to evaluate if we've been born again. 
It reminds me of Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23, both 15 and then later on in chapter 32, 33, he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. This is what he says. He says, listen, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Like what he's saying is this isn't about rules and, and, and all of these legalistic ideas and thoughts and notions. This is about experiencing freedom and relinquishing your life to me so that I can have control because no matter what you think you can accomplish, I can do so much more through you. And so he's saying, don't you know what it is to be baptized by the Spirit? That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it says born of water, but also and the Spirit. That's why here at Chapel Point we observe two ordinances. Lord's Supper, where you have the bread, which is the body of Christ. And also you have the juice, which recognizes um, the blood of Christ. And we take that as a symbol of what Christ did for us. Atoning sacrifice. We also have baptism, and that's why as we, we ask people to be baptized, it's still a symbol. You need to know it's a symbol. It's not a literal, oh, now I'm saved. It is not that. But it's a symbol, and it's an act of obedience because we believe, right, that we need to be born both of water and the Spirit. You can't be born of the Spirit unless you're acknowledging and giving your life to the Spirit. So that's why we ask that you be of, of, of age when you're baptized. It's part of the reason. Because Nicodemus was a man of God, and yet Jesus is going, don't you know there's more to it to be born again of water and the Spirit? That's why we say being baptized can change our outward position, and we recognize this. Being baptized can change our outward, uh, outward position within a church or even a family, but it doesn't automatically change your spiritual position. And Jesus is addressing this. Jesus is letting them know that in our present condition, we're hopeless. But with Christ, if you really accept who he is, there is hope. That's the amazing grace of Jesus, of God. Because apart from that amazing grace, there is no hope. And so we see all of this. It reminds me, it goes, John chapter 1, verse 13. He says, and let me read 12 and 13. He says, but to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Even Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, By grace, by God's grace, we have been saved. And it's a wonderful reminder for us. Because when we fully and completely give our hearts to Jesus, we find a new life, not simply a new religion. Right? When we fully, completely give our hearts to Jesus, we find a new life, not simply a new religion. It's so much better that way. 
And it's powerful because we're able to be part of something that is supernatural. In verse 8, as he's jumping in with this in John chapter 3, and I know I'm going fast trying to cover all this, but he, he addresses and he calls it out. He says, man, the wind blows where it wishes. Like, if you want to control God, good luck, because here he is. The wind blows where it wishes, and you're, you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And that's where Jesus jumps in. He's like, man, you're a teacher of Israel. How do you not understand this stuff? Don't you know that there's a spiritual rebirth that needs to happen? And it involves the unseen work of God's spirit. That's why we say that we have this thing called priesthood of the believer, that God has given us Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit still indwells and lives with us today. Jesus Christ himself said, listen, you need to know, I'm going to leave with you something that is amazing, this great gift, and that gift was Holy Spirit. That's why we ourselves can have a relationship with God. That's why I'm a pastor, someone who presents the word of God to you for you to listen to, but we don't have priests. You don't have to come to, to one of us for repentance or anything. You have a personal relationship with God himself. You see, Nicodemus was struggling right now, I think. I, th- I think he's going, man, there's, so, there's got to be more to this guy. What is it? It's more than, more than just him being from God. What, what is with this man? But what we see is this. Nicodemus had to give up claiming his life. This is what we're going to discover. This is so good for us. Nicodemus had to give up claiming his life in order to discover life. I do think there was some merit in him coming at the, in night, at the night or during the night in order to discover Jesus Christ because he's nervous about what all of his friends would say, being a leader of the Pharisees, going, why are you searching out Jesus? You know that he's already starting to cause, by this time, he's already causing ripples for them, impact, going, who, what's going on with this guy? What's happening here? It started very, very quickly. It's, he's began the Messianic era. Right? Were those last few years of his life, and he's nervous right now. Nicodemus is going, man, I I know there's something more to this guy, but he's coming in the middle of the night. And fact of the matter is, so many of us are trying to discover something more, and we're walking in the middle of the night, we're looking for it. And we can't seem to find the right thing. And we need to acknowledge that there is only one giver of life. Because you're stumbling around in the night looking. You're stumbling around in the dark looking. Guys, please hear me say, this is the most important thing you can hear. This is why I do what I do. Many of you have been coming to this church for a while. I know I started uh, in business, and I remember when I worked uh, with Nabisco, and I had just finished selling to a manager of a Kroger's grocery store. You know what Kroger's is down south, big grocery store. Kind of like a Meyer, but I guess not as cool. And so I'm in the back. All of a sudden, I leave the manager. I go to the back to see the guy, um, to see a big truck of product that's coming in. And I'm talking to this guy who I'd seen somewhat regularly because it was such a big store. And I, I was back there, and he goes, man, why are you? He just looked at me. I can tell you, he had this scruffy beard, dark hair. And he just looked at me and goes, man, why are you so happy? Like, he didn't say it in a way like, hey, you're awesome. He said it in a way like, I thought I might lose my life. Man, why are you so happy all the time? I'm like, man, I've just got a good life. I have such a good life. He's like, well, you got a lot of money or something? I'm like, no, I'm broke. But I've got a great life. And trust me, I was broke. 
And he's like, what is it? And all of a sudden, I start learning about his life. He came from a divorce, had a kid who never got to see, and I'm talking to him about life. And all of a sudden, I'm telling him about Jesus. And before I know it, all I hear is this. I hear this giant truck backing up. And what does the giant truck do, right? Beep, beep, beep. And it's making this noise. Somebody's using this huge, like, giant dumpster thing for cardboard, all of this noise, and I'm telling him about Jesus, and all I know is he starts to cry, and he goes, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I want some of it. And I knew that's all I wanted to do the rest of my life, is tell people about Jesus. Because I think there are so many of us even in this room, who we're cert- we know there's more in life and we're searching for it and we're walking around in the dark and we're going, maybe it's over here. Some of you are walking around in the filth of pornography online and you hide it. Why do you hide it in the dark? Because you know that it's not of God. But you're not really willing to do anything about it. And so you live in that pornography and you live in that lust. Some of you ladies are flirting with some man at work and you act like it's just casual and it's no big deal. But you know that's not honoring to your spouse. And you're trying to find some kind of fulfillment. Maybe you don't feel loved at home or whatever it is. You're trying to find something. And so you're looking anywhere you can to find that fulfillment. That's called walking in the dark to find an answer. And the only place you will find an answer is in the name of Jesus Christ. And some of you are walking around and you're going, man, you're just like Nicodemus. When nobody else can see you, you're, you're sitting in the corner of a room with no light on. And you're trying to find substance and fulfillment through a bottle or maybe through marijuana. And you're thinking, well, I'm only smoking marijuana because my back got pulled. And you know that's not the real reason. You know you're getting lost with it because you don't want to face the real life that you have. And some of you are walking around and you're hiding in the dark and you're trying to find fulfillment by, by living vicariously through your kids' sports. When we know the majority of them will never go anywhere past 18, 19 years old at the max. And I'm not saying sports is wrong, but I'm saying if you're hiding and living vicariously through anybody else other than the name of Jesus Christ, you're trying to find identity in something that will never work. You can say amen to that. And we're walking around in the dark and we're searching for answers. And the thing is, it's like Nicodemus and he's earnest for it. And he's going, what is the answer? And he couldn't certainly, he could not grasp all that Jesus was saying. And some of us are trying to figure out life. And I mean, I don't have any purpose. And so we're changing sexual orientation. Or we're changing sexual identity and all of these different things. It's all because people are searching. And I'm not saying it's simple, but I am telling you there is an answer. And his name is Jesus. You fully take hold of life. If you, if you really want to fully take hold of your life, you ready for this? I'm about to solve all your problems by telling you about Jesus. If you, if you want to fully take hold of your life, you do so by unconditionally releasing yourself to Jesus, allowing him to have a complete hold on you. And that means you come before him and you say, here. I trust you more than me. And so today, I'm inviting you to step out of the dark and step into grace.
why he says, right? We find some words. From Luke and Acts 20, he says, I don't account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. I, don't, I do not account my life of any value. Your, your life has no value outside of Jesus. It is temporary. Only Jesus is eternal. And that relationship is for now. And Jesus is letting Nicodemus know, man, you should know these things as a teacher. But he didn't quite get it. If Nicodemus can't grasp these basic things, how is he going to understand deeper things? I want to invite you today not to live out of what you already know about God. Like some of you are going, you're like, man, I already know everything about God. I study all the time, look at me. I want to invite you not to live out of what you already know about God. I want to invite you to live out of what God has promised and where God has called you. And some of you, we just keep walking around in the dark. we got a full service here. we got a full service in the first one. I'm going, if, if this many people are truly being born again, relinquishing their life to Jesus Christ, like relinquishing your life to Jesus Christ is not merely going, hey, I'm going to show up at church and then live my life, and whenever things go bad, I'm going to call out to God. It's so much more than that, friends. It is so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's truly finding fulfillment in him and saying, you know what, God? Take every single piece of me. And some of you know, like you all said it, right? God. Very beginning of the service, God. Help me to grow more in you today. Help me to live more in you today, right? It's that type of idea. And I'm inviting you to allow God to change your life today by relinquishing your life and surrendering to the powerful name of Jesus Christ. He is hope and he is forgiveness. He is the perfect lamb of God. And instead of always having to make sacrifices left and right, God said, you know what, I'll give you the perfect sacrifice, my son, and I'll let him die for you. But we know, we know that that tomb was opened and Jesus Christ is no longer there. Will you be born again and surrender your life to Jesus? And some of you are going, well, I've already done that. But yet you know that you still have those parts of your life where you're walking in darkness. And, and Jesus is going, no, there's none of that. i got nothing but light. you got to get rid of that too. Like I, It's all of me. I want all of you. And so what I'd, I, I am going to invite us to do today some of us, and you've heard truth, so some of you, you're going to have the responsibility of saying, will I respond to that truth? But what I'm going to ask today is I'm going to give us an opportunity to really examine, will we be born again? And I'd like to do so by inviting every single one of us. And I know it's not easy, especially for all of you up top, but I'm going to invite every single one of us to take a knee together if you're physically able 
And I know some of you aren't. That's okay. It's about the heart. But that, that we take a knee together. And some of you need to go, I want to be born again. You can come up here if you want to, to the altar, to this place. And you're going, well, it's just a stage. But there's a symbolism in going, you know, I'm going to come to where God is. And I'm going to offer my life to him. But I want us to take several minutes. I just want us to pray and to call out to God. And some of you are going, God, I want to be born again. But some of you are going, you know what? I've got some dark areas of my life. Take them all, God. Take them all. Take them all. Take them all. Take them all. And so right now, will you join me as we take a knee in prayer? God, some in this room may have never kneeled before, at least not before you. And so I pray that that would at least be a symbol for them acknowledging that you are greater than they. And I give you thanks for that, God. And some know that there's something more, but today they're acknowledging the more is actually Jesus. So give them the courage, God. Give them the courage to say yes to you. And there are some in this place who are actually are just hurting. And they know that you are Lord, but they just are hurting and they need your love and your care and your peace and your patience and they need your warmth and your embrace. Fall down on them, God. Fall down on them, God. Have your way with Chapel Point, God. Have your way with us. Thy will be done whatever you desire. May we remain humble before you, God. Because some of us may think we don't have any more growing to do. (laughs) And so may we remain humble before you. In humility, you did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but you took on the nature of a servant, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And for that, we say thank you. May we be born again. There is life in Jesus. There is life in Jesus.